Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. It is Friday, June the 5th, uh, the Friday before a long weekend, and I'm Nadine Blaney. Great to be here with you and great to welcome into our um, program two yeah. great guests, Adam Dawes, Sean Parters, June Lu, Tribeca. Thank you so much for joining us. It's so really good to see you. you guys here. Guys, let's start the conversation with the All stock right. of the day, then Qantas. So, yeah, I mean, we were just chatting in the break how much we all have itchy feet and want to travel. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I try not to use the word dying to do something, but I just dying to travel. And uh, we have seen that um, in offshore markets as well. And uh, we've seen it across other things as well, the entertainment, the, um, the retails. And um, there's a huge pent up demand that's going to take place. Now, travel is going to take a little bit longer because, you know, the travel bubble yet to come through and a few other restrictions. But, um, you know, to many talk about it, uh, the discussion of it, it certainly sends investors very positive about it. And the thing about is that oil price is so much cheaper as well mm. and uh, so the next year earning once we normalize actually looks very very uh, very of great growth um, in the following year mm. do you agree with that uh, we're gonna have a great session today mm. maybe I won't agree with uh, everything yeah. that, um, that we talk about but uh, look I, I, essentially yes I do agree with it um, however airlines have never been one of my favorites to go into capital intensive you know there's a lot of things that go into getting you onto an airplane I think that the price at the moment is probably priced in domestic growth or domestic travel at the moment. So that's probably somewhere where I think that, but the kicker is if you do buy Qantas today, the quick kicker is it's going to be that international segment. Once that international segment opens up, there is going to be more. And you're absolutely right, the oil price. They should be making an absolute killing at the moment with this oil price the way it is, but there's no planes in the air. So really, it's it's a sort of a catch-22. So very, it's probably one of the best well-run airlines in the world and is in, it definitely in the top 10. And remember, um, Sydney to Melbourne is the second busiest route in the world. So Qantas definitely will have that uh, domestic travel all taken care of. I'd probably buy Sydney airports. Uh, as, a, as another way to play that Qantas opening as well. So Sydney Airports is another company that's doing quite well today off yes. the back of this reopening of mm-hmm. the you know economy and travel narrative. I'm curious though, right now Qantas is pretty much a monopoly in Australia. Mm-hmm. However, we do have the narrowing down of two, two, two contenders, the mm-hmm. bidding process for Virgin Australia, Sirius Capital Partners and Bain Capital. Jimbei, is there a risk involved with a irrational 
mm. uh, you know, competitor coming through absolutely. in Virgin. Look, absolutely. This is one of the challenges because if you have a, say, one of the Asian operators um, that decide to just go after the market share, that will seriously challenge the yeah. um, the duopoly market position that over the you know both the airline enjoyed over the last mm. few years. Um, and uh, and if anything, you know, domestic market is actually the most profitable area for Qantas. So there is a bit of unknown over there. But one thing is um, is probably certain that it will probably take some time before um, you know the new owner of Virgin will then ratchet up to um, you know come up with new strategy of going hard um, after the market share. So um, so they got a bit of time up at their sleeve, and uh, hopefully when the d- domestic travel opens up, um, Qantas can quickly um, you know sort of solidify their market position, and um, you know while you know, further down the track, we'll deal with the Virgin. Interesting to note, guys, just as we're speaking, we've got a word coming through that Qantas is reactivating plans to um, yeah, order airplanes capable of the world's longest nonstop flights from Sydney to London. Mm-hmm. So a Qantas CEO, Alan Joy, is saying that the business case for doing it is very strong. So obviously, you know, wow. it's a pretty big statement That's considering statement. where we're at still yeah. in this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, you've got to look forward and businesses have to look forward and potentially Qantas is, you know, travel, tourism is, is one of the last theatres, one of the last to open up mm. after this has gone through. So, you know, they're looking forward and I like that. I think that they need to be getting out there and they need to start looking at how they're going to grow the business. But they will definitely have the market share at the start. But then Quanta, uh, Virgin will definitely come in and then they'll be trying to cut that market yeah. share down and there'll be $10 flights and you know all of that kind of stuff, which we're all going to jump on and we're all going to enjoy that fighting for that market share. And then it'll all sort of quieten down and even itself out and we'll be back to normal. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, turbulent uh, yeah. investment right. prospect at the best of times. All right. Shall we get to some of the uh, stocks that our viewers have emailed in about? Uh, The first one is coming from Don. It's in the telco space. It is Spark New Zealand. SPK is the ticker code. Uh, So in that mobile and cloud services space, how do you view Spark? It's a true defensive. In my view, is that it's a true defensive that every portfolio should have one. Really? Um, probably not your biggest position, but it is very defensive. Um, it, it's more defensive than the likes of Telstra because Telstra actually faces a lot of competition, uh, such as the mobile and others. And uh, you keep seeing the, you know, the, the the prices are being discounted to the mobile packages and the ends and all of that. Whereas Spark doesn't have a lot of that problem. Uh, almost monop- monopolistic mm. type of asset. It's a, just consider that as an infrastructure type of asset provides small growth um, you know three percent to three percent type of growth and it gives you a bit of yield um, four five percent yield so um, just consider as a defensive um, yield type of company and it's you know pretty good to be as a part of the portfolio so it has defa- uh, you know performed quite well through this pandemic mm. it reiterated its guidance but do mm. you anticipate you talked about the yield there mm. do you think that you will continue to see that mm. level of payout through FY21 Absolutely. We see company like that because the earnings is not disrupted as much and it's not cyclical. So um, it's very defensive and uh, you will get that four five percent yield coming from that company, unlike the likes of banks and others where dividend will get cut. Do you have that in your clients' uh, portfolios? No. I, I thought when, when we looked at this, it was SKI, which was Spark Infrastructure. But then I had to actually look at it again. It is Spark New Zealand. Um, look, I think they've done well in this COVID environment. They've come out unscathed. It's a hold from me. Um, the defensiveness side is, is is great, but where's the growth going to come from? You say 2 to 3% growth. Like New Zealand isn't that big. And I don't know if they've got uh, South Pacific or anything. They're sort of growing into that area. 
but they're not coming into Australia that I know of as well. So yeah, that growth can be quite limited. 5G though, is that you know potential growth that's area? That's the future, that, or that's the future. And also don't forget, because it's such a utility infrastructure like assets, the, the borrowing, the debt that they borrow from, the interest rate is so low. Um, you know, that's potentially is part of your growth as well. It's boring, uh, it's, uh, it's playing, but it will give you that defensive small growth with a yield that is not challenged like many other sectors. Sometimes everybody needs a little bit of boring in their lives, yep, don't they? Boring. A little bit of it, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I do. In your we case, do. all right. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll start with you then, uh-huh. given all we've been discussing when uh-huh. it comes to hotel property investments, HPI. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about this company, yeah. but just doing a bit of reading, it's you know obviously in the, in the pubs and clubs Correct. type space. Um, how did it bolster itself through this pandemic? Well, it really hasn't, and it's been really tough for HBI to to go ahead. They have talked about a rent deferral, an announcement from one of their largest groups, um, and that is basically that they've had to defer $7.5 million worth of rent and bring that out for a, for a couple of years. So that equates to around about 15% of annual rent that they're sort of going to be deferring from that period from April to September. So um, that will then obviously fall over into the new financial year, and then that will then obviously be hurting HPI on their overall profit margins. So I think there's a lot of significant or there's uncertainty around hotels and what's going to happen in this one. So for me, it's probably stay away at the moment. However, you know, we look at Qantas and it's potentially going to be coming out and doing things. Potentially, you could buy this for that um, unlocking of the COVID uh, situation. And, you know, there will be uh, further pain to come because of those rental agreements that they're not paying. The, The pubs and clubs aren't paying it. However, if you're happy to look past that into 2022, it's probably a buy. I know I just said hold and a buy, but if you're willing to take the risk, then you would then look forward and and it's probably a good buy here. Is this the kind of risk that you would take on in a portfolio? Oh, I, I, I think you would because um, portfolio. I like my portfolio partly defensive like the borrowing stocks and partly you want to t- um, take on some of those uh, thematic that's taking place. One of the big ones at the moment is opening up of the economy. So mm-hmm. this pent up demand, people want to go out and spend and go to bars and pubs. And, uh, you know, so this company, um, it, it is a little bit small for us, but still um, it, it, it's the old Coles pubs business. Um, mm-hmm. So because the pub was shut down, so, you know, share price collapsed and uh, now that as we opening up taking place as people will visit those places and spend some of those stimulus um, it will play well into that thematic but you just need to be mindful because at the moment it's trading at a NTA so you know you, you can go potentially a little bit higher than NTA a little bit of premium potentially 10-15% but you don't want to chase it too far because eventually it comes back to the asset value and then you talk to those rent issues and short term earnings issues then it just become um, taking on too much risk so mm-hmm. there's a little bit in it tactically um, um, at the short term for that uh, lifting of the lockdown. So that's the Coles um, pubs business. And then there's the Woolies um, pubs business. I think it's ALH. Uh, Correct. I was speaking with Gaurav Sodi from the Intelligent Investor yesterday and he was sort of liking that business again. Okay, so you like it. 100%. I've been buying Woolworths for that Endeavour Group demerger. So that Endeavour Group demerger is bunning... <laughs> Dan Murphy's yep. uh, and uh, the ALH, so that, that's one of the largest hospitality and hotels business in Australia. So it's it's massive, 
and I've been buying Woolworths for that. Now, that demerger was supposed to happen last month, I think it was, somewhere around there, maybe? It's um, towards the latter part of this year. Now. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, so it's still going ahead. It's going ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, and for that, I'm really liking uh, that space. So I've been buying a lot of Woolworths in the yeah, portfolio. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Woolworth has underperformed a lot um, in the last couple of months as mm. investors selling those uh, defensive stocks and buying the cyclical rebound. Um, but Woolworth is, um, it's not cheap, but it's quality. And it's earning still very, very defensive. And then it's got this catch coming up and apparently um, the earnings momentum within store is actually now doing better than what Coles was doing yeah, right. so remember the momentum turned a little bit yeah. when Coles yeah. was doing better but it sort of seems to be swing back now Woolworth is doing a better job in store and it's got the catalyst coming up and it's not as expensive compared to what it was um, mm. you know historically um, you know I would be really buying into that company yeah, yeah. interesting um, consider that a bonus uh, <laughs> viewers um, yeah and a bit of a good news story coming from Woolworths this week as yeah. well giving it some um, employees, it's frontline employees, some shares in the company as oh, really? well as gift cards. Yeah, about $750 oh, yeah. worth, I think, oh, of wow. shares to all of their employees. So doing Cole's or Woolworths bidding for it, it <laughs> yeah. seems. But uh, let's move on from that because we've heard from John. John is asking about Estia Health. So that's in that um, aged care yeah. sector. Um, you know, got through this pandemic thus far, knock on wood, without having any outbreaks of COVID-19 in their facilities. And that's mm. despite some of their employees testing positive. So looks as if it's navigated this very tricky situation well from, you know, a health perspective. Mm. Uh, but I suppose it's come with higher staffing costs. So how do you view STF? Yeah, look, it's a, it's, it's a as a sector, it's a very tough sector because generally uh, I don't like these kinds of sectors because the government with a stroke of a pen with a budget, which has been delayed, but that budget, once it goes through, they can cut funding, they can change, uh, they can change everything on a, on, a, on a dime. So I'm really cautious on this one and you can see the share price there really hasn't reacted. I mean, it came off, but it really hasn't uh, ratcheted up. I, I think that they're going to see some more occupancy weakness going forward. Residential aged cares have um, high fixed costs mm -hmm. and you've got to be really careful with those fixed costs because if they start to blow out or, or you don't get your margins right, uh, it's, a, it's a really tough one uh, for me. So I think there's multiple challenges here that you've got the Royal Commission uh, that has come through. We've had now COVID-19 being some of those major things and I find it a little bit difficult to get comfortable with this stock going forward. Um, Estia, um, there, there's a couple in that space. Estia is probably second tier, I think, um, in, in that area, but um, earnings will probably be impacted going into next year as well, so I'd be cautious. Is Estia a second tier in your view? Oh, look, I, uh, in terms of asset qualities, not as high as the uh, the Regis and the like, right. uh, but in terms of the company itself, within that sector, it's a very hard sector. So many headwinds, mm. <laughs> as you talked to before. Um, the biggest problem at the moment is that because of COVID, people are staying at home, you know, looking after their elderly. Um, so the occupancy is falling and, uh, you know, there's no, no way to take out cost. And in fact, the cost is going higher because of nursing, hard to get nurses to do mm. that. And then going forward it might even be some structural supply issue of nurses because of immigration mm -hmm. might fall yeah, next year true. yeah so um, you know cost going up revenue going down and this is a fixed cost business and uh, at the same time uh, one thing about this sector is that it has a lot of um, it's uh, it's operating cash flow is linked to um, you know how many new people are coming in mm -hmm. so previously when people go into an aged care place you pay upfront yeah. um, or some form of upfront and then you pay like a rental payment um, mm -hmm. and then you can stay there but because now that one is that less people are coming in you don't get that upfront payment so when people leave 
SDA or the HCAP operator had to pay it out. So you actually have a operating outflow, uh, operating cash flow yeah. outflow. So your cash is tight, um, mm. and uh, and also because the housing market has been so tight, so that no one's selling their houses to pay that upfront payment. Um, so people just want to pay more of the rental payments. So the cash flow is looking enormously tight for that industry. So only thing that can really drive that industry higher at this point is the government to provide support um, because it's not viable as it is at the mm. moment. Mm. Yeah, and um, do you think though, that there's some space for M&A in uh, the aged care sector? very hard because they're all very heavily geared already. M&A was a few years ago when valuation very high. Um, eventually should work, but it's just so capital intensive. Um, and it's hard to run an aged care sector um, or uh, operator because of all these compliance and increasing costs. I think government will provide increased support. And on the basis of that clarity, um, the, I think there will be M&A eventually when that government support comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Royal Commission costs you know, become clear. Okay, so you're not favorable on this name, you're not favorable on the sector, but if you're already a holder of Estia, do you hold on to it just to see how the Royal Commission and government, everything Looking at the share out? price, you probably would. I mean, it's, it's had its fall, it's rebounded a bit, and now it's quite stable. I think it's waiting for budget time to potentially get some extra cash in the coffer. Yeah, and the government... I agree, Bet absolutely agree, absolutely. The government will fund something, mm-hmm. um, but they have to balance out funding, you know, people um, getting their jobs or childcare or, you know, where do you stay on? So it's important. Mm-hmm. SDA is probably the one I will sit in amongst that sector because it's a slightly better balance sheet and the assets not too bad. Yeah, okay. Um, let's completely uh, switch sectors and uh, pace and it's FOSLOC. So the ticker code is PET. This is an interesting company, isn't it? I mean, it's using that CSIRO technology to essentially clean waterways. I don't know exactly how it's doing it. We don't need to get into it, but amazing story. Yeah, great story and a good Australian story that's uh, done quite well uh, at the back of it. Um, They've had some real, really good success in China, obviously. uh, And they started out working with um, uh, golf uh, fields or, Mm -hmm. or golf courses because a lot of um, phosphate and it goes from the runoff from the grass goes into the ponds. You don't want to have green ponds. And then you've got the algae, the blue green algae, and everything else My that goodness. goes like that. So, yeah, so um, they started that. That's where the technology started from. And it's basically pellets that they basically put into the water and it fizzes up and it, and, and it, it cleans it. So then from there, they went into China, and that's been one of their major success stories is going into this China. Management's probably a little bit. Um, uh, edgy for me, if I can say that nicely. What does edgy mean when it comes to management? <laughs> uh, just, you know, some of their announcements are probably a little bit overinflated when okay. they actually, and I, I, don't, I don't want to get myself into trouble. So um, I think, you know, it's it's something that is is a good story, but is has needs more cash and needs a little bit more time to sort of get the technology right. And, and every time that they've talked about, it, they've had delays, you know, potential cyclones or other weather events. They're all out on the water. It's a big boat on the water putting this uh, this into the into the uh, into the ponds and things like that. So it is quite um, demanding um, for them. So for me, it's a hold, but I, I like the story and I have invested in it and I have traded it before. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah. it's it's one of those stories. Is it just one of those stories that we want to like? Absolutely, tick all the boxes, but um, this one's too speculative for me. Um, I think I like to see a bit more track record than the like, and uh, you know, um, clearly, um, it's uh, the, the story itself sounds great, yeah. um, but I just need to see more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has it made money? 
Not not yet. They just raised yeah. another twenty million uh, last month or the month before, so they're they're keeping the coffers full uh, by just um, raising capital. Yeah, but yeah. again, in that speculative end, like a lot of those biotechs, so while they're in that phase where they're trying to build the technology, yeah. prove the technology, you know, completely you know, coming back to the market yeah, for cash. I agree, because at that early stage, management becomes critical because, mm. uh, you know, you're putting faith in the management team and saying, you know, you will deliver this dream. So it's important about, you know, their dream and their strategy and execution and all of that. So, um, yeah, I think this one sort of just sitting in that very speculative end for me. Okay, so Duncan, that is your answer from Jim Lu from Tribeca and uh, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners when it comes to Foslock. So the ticker code for that one is PET. Susie has emailed in asking about Regis Resources, RRL. Uh, the most recent production report was a little bit lower than many analysts had been expecting, but yep. um, gold is an area that a lot of people <laughs> like right now. Oh, absolutely. Look, um, uh, it's, uh, well, share price will be tracking what gold price is yep. doing, especially as a junior uh, gold miner, they tend to become much more volatile. So if gold price goes on, goes up a little bit, they will go up a lot. <laughs> but if it falls a little bit, they will go down a lot. Um, but we tend to prefer sort of a more quality end. Um, you know, even in that small space, we like the Saracen and the Northern Star and the like. And um, this one sort of, we did feel there might be some issues with some of their mine. But look, they, they come through okay. So, mm. um, and uh, share price done well on the back of the strong gold prices. And um, costs are always so important when Correct. it comes to these small miners. Yeah. How does um, it do on that front? All in costs is uh, around about $1,174 an ounce. So it's in the middle of the curve. Newcrest is probably your best one with that low end uh, cost curve and, and, and they do that very, very well. So around that $1,100 is, isn't too bad, I don't think, um, for it. Regis has done very, very well uh, for what they do as, as, as in a low grade uh, uh, mine and they're able to move a lot of dirt to get that low grade out and then make it profitable. So there's been a lot of management that have moved across and there's another little stock CMM Capricorn that Regis management tried to take over Capricorn a couple of years ago. Uh, it failed and then all of a sudden four of the directors from Regis turned up on Capricorn's board. Mm -hmm. And so they basically know how to do how to run these mines and then build them up. So that's been a really fantastic story for that. Um, and there is a lot of smaller resource stocks out there that you just got to be a little bit careful. Musgrave today came out with some fantastic gold results. Um, but I've, if we're talking about Regis, it's a hold from me. I think um, their gold guidance uh, was a little bit higher and you need that. And trying to get that cost down is key to making profitability in this one. So it's a hold from me on Regis. Silver Lake Resources also was out with a bit of a drilling update today. I'll just put you on the spot. Any thoughts yeah. on Silver Lake? I haven't seen it. No. Oh, I haven't seen it. All right. Um, when it comes to these gold miners in that smaller space as well, I mean, we've had, um, you know, a suppressed Australian dollar for mm. a while, but mm. uh, now it's knocking on the door of 70 US cents once again. Does that start to factor into how you view these companies? I think so. You definitely have to look at that Aussie dollar and that story of how, um, for, for a gold mine, all, all basically you're looking for is uh, how, how much is how much they got in the ground, how much is it going to cost them to get it out of the ground, and then what profit they can make. It's a pretty simple kind of uh, um, metric that you use. And if they can reduce costs on any one of those or, or make one of those components favorable, it does very, very well. So um, my preference is Newcrest in, in the big end of town, yeah. uh, Evolution and Northern Star are my top three in that mm. sector. Yeah, Newcrest certainly has uh, underperformed the, uh, some mm. of the other names. So, you know, it might be time to kind of look at them because it's more defensive as well within that whole space. Let's move on. We'll get to our um, next, I was going to say, 
company, not really a company, this is the BetaShares NASDAQ 100 ETF. This is coming from Sinead, so NDQ. It gives you exposure to the 100 largest non-financial companies listed on the NASDAQ. So we're talking, you know, some of the fangs, Amazon, uh, Facebook, Starbucks is in there as well. Is this, Jimbe, a good way for Australian investors to get exposure to some of those high growth stories in the US? I think it's the easiest way for retail investors to really um, have access to it. Um, do be mindful that, um, you know, the NASDAQ has done so well um, in the last little while, it's pushing all time highs and the like. So, um, you know, it's but it's the easiest way for retail investors without a lot of time going through every single stock and decide what to buy. Mm. That's a pretty yeah. simple way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great one. Um, you know, there's there's the FTSE 100. I mean, there's so many ETFs mm. now that can give you that exposure to that international. And really, when, when clients, when we look at clients, they should have asset allocation and they should, inside of that asset allocation, have some of their portfolio allocated to international shares. Mm. And this is a great one. The IOO is a good one as well. It's the top 100 companies in the world. So there's really some good ones in there that you can then allocate to the international side of things. But certainly, Facebook, Apple, Google, um, Netflix are all in that uh, top 100 on their NDQ. And that's a great way to play it. Actually, I, I probably make, should make a disclaimer. As an active manager, we will always say the best to invest with the best fund managers that can yeah. find you the best stock instead of in the ETF. But it is absolutely the easiest way for no, retail investors. And that's fair <laughs> enough. And I was going to bring that up because, um, you know, really, when you're talking ETFs, by nature, they're passive. So mm. does this become something that it doesn't matter how much it gains in value, you just still keep it in that bottom drawer? I mean, you can't be active with a passive product, can you? Yeah, so look, it, it, it's difficult, but there's a, these days you got a little bit of enhanced product now, so a little bit more active, somewhere in between active and passive. Um, but I think for retail investors, you know, if you just want to gain exposure without the time required, then this is the easiest way. But clearly, as active manager, we spend, we have teams and you know, people constantly 24-7 looking at those markets and stocks and things so we on top of those names so we can uh, you know hopefully most of us can do better than the index so mm. um, if you then if retail investor wants to take the next level up then you invest with a manager that has the time to constantly watching mm -hmm. over those stuff pick the best quality ones I think mm. okay no? Oh, oh well I was I mean when you say active I mean you know it, it's certainly not trading in and out but yeah. you can somewhat be active with those index plays and you know for the last sort of two years before COVID, we were lightning on the US exposure because it had such a fantastic run and okay. then we were using that to buy into Europe. And so you can be sector uh, and then picking your sectors, then you can be more active. And when this all started to happen within COVID, we were buying the China ETF and the IAA, which is the Asian one, which has 60% access to China because China basically came out of this a lot earlier mm -hmm. and it's been a fantastic way for us to play the uh, resurgence in the market. So you, you sort of can be active, but it's certainly not trading in and out every day yeah, and doing no. that. It, it's more sort of sector. So you can lighten up. Um, Absolutely, yeah. and look at those things. Um, yeah. While we have you then, speaking about active, <laughs> and when it comes to some of these areas of the market that are potentially, um, you know, the, that high growth, you know, we think about the US FANG stocks, but mm. we think about the Australian technology name, um, the buy now pay later space has been such an area of mm. interest here particularly this week with mm. Cezal out we had open pay uh, raising capital after pay going strong yeah. zip making the US yeah. purchase 
Yeah, how do you view that area? Oh, I, I love that space. Um, I think that space, uh, obviously, is very hot at the moment, yeah. so there might be a bit of profit-taking uh, going on uh, in the next few weeks. But w just pay attention because this is a new um, area, and it's a really innovative uh, area that really just came about in the last five, three, five years. Um, and uh, what, But what you have seen is that because they've gained such market share and gained attention of all the you know in potential investors, you've seen the Chinese company now Tencent took a stake in Afterpay, mm -hmm. and you've got Silicon Valley um, private equity now looking uh, well invested with Zip, yep. and Cezo is the next one that you know in the next twelve months there will be something tied up as well, and uh, then you're seeing whole lot of uh, you know potential um, uh, investors that's going into that space. So this space is not going away. Maybe a bit of heat in it at the moment, but it's not going away. In two years' time, it will be a whole lot larger, uh, or it will change in a way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a corporates, maybe it's a Mastercard, maybe it's the other way. So it is a very innovative space. It's very exciting. Exciting, uh, and the ultimate market is enormous. And Adam, we've got a lot of names to pick from we here do. in Australia. I mentioned you know, those five, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you've got Plexi Group as well. Yep. We're spoiled for choice. It really yep. does seem, if we're talking about great Aussie stories that we, you know, we love, taking things overseas, you know, making a mark on the international yes. scene. Uh, we, we both agree that Zip is probably the, the better of uh, mm -hmm. in, in that space. Afterpay is obviously run and will continue to run because it's, it's a great company mm -hmm. as well. But I really like what Zip did this week. And mm. what they did is that America knows that we are capital hungry. We've raised about $20 billion across over the last month or two months after while this COVID thing's going on, and we'll probably raise a lot more. But America knows that and they're, they're cap, we're capital hungry. And so they're using this convertible note that Zip put together mm -hmm. to buy QuadPay, which is a fantastic business and adds another one and a half million customers and another three and a half thousand merchants to Zip's book, so it's it's growing at an exponential rate. But that convertible note is one of the first that they've done here in Australia. And I suspect we'll see more of these convertible notes going through. One, because then they're gonna get access to the stock at a later uh, time as a position, but it's a great way for America to try and get uh, access to some of Australia's stocks that we are very capital hungry. So it's one of the first, and I think we'll see more of that kind of cap raising going forward in the future. Mm. We talked about cap raising, you know, I think a while ago, about a month yeah. ago, yeah, right. when, when we're sort of at the at the height of all of yeah, this that's in right. the market. Do you think that we've sort of come down the other side and we're, we're going to see this really tapering off now? Um, I, uh, yeah, it was somewhat disappointing because when we spoke about it, um, I thought it would just ramp up. Yeah. And but I think a lot of companies trying to hold back because back then uh, the issuance were quite dilutive and you have they have to issue at a huge discount. So they kind of saw, you know, now things opening up. There's a bit more confidence returning to the equity market. So they want to hold back and dictate the terms um, so I do believe they're coming and um, you know this week we saw a couple so I think mm -hmm. they're not far um, you know in the next few months you should see a lot coming coming through but with smaller discount you know the discount the double digit discount is gone mm -hmm. um, yeah. we are looking at that seven eight percent sort of discount and um, and for retail investors I think you know it's, it's it's still pretty good to be positioned in some of those names that will raise money property trust is a place where you'll see a lot of it yeah that was a good trade for Cindy Centers came on today yeah. And uh, we've sold a fair bit of stock that we've took in Great the race. Trade, yeah. And it was a, yeah, it was a really, it worked really, really well. Um, I think you never waste a good crisis, right? Mm. Never waste it. And this is uh, a good crisis. 
and we are definitely seeing companies really running the ruler over these do we need to raise capital how are we going to do it mm. what kind of discount where can we mm. go with that um, it's getting harder and harder now because the market has rebounded mm. but we've seen and I, I think ANZ is probably another one that will need to come out oh, yeah. and raise some capital that's a mm. big name that's going to need to raise some money mm. uh, and then you've got your mid t- and you've got your smaller ones as well so um, yeah I still think it's alive in yeah. that side Okay, I am. I've digressed, but I do think that it is a good segue into our next company. This has come in from David. Next DC, uh, one of the few companies to you could say benefit. I mean, it sounds crass to say it like that, but it did benefit from this crisis. 100%. Also, I didn't waste the crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And and that driving uh, of demand for services and especially electronic services and data is not going away. Look, Next DC is the big boy in the room. They've done really, really well. And um, you know they are probably the best in the sector. Um, I like a smaller stock, which is TDI, which is a uh, digital infrastructure fund. Uh, that one is a mini Next DC, so I sort of prefer that one uh, for the growth because I don't see too much more growth coming in from Next DC. But if we're talking about Next DC, it's a hold from me. I think that they'll still get strong demand from their hyperscale data centers, and data is not going away. Five G. YouTube, I mean, you name it, the amount of data, and they can raise their prices every year, which is fantastic. As a shareholder, you can raise your prices and then hence rent continues to go higher. Um, it, yeah, it's it, it's a hold from me. I like TDI as a better stock. <laughs> Jim Bay, is that, you know, do you like the growth pro- profile of the company? Is it priced in? Yeah, look, um, it depends on your time frame. You know, it's a, a lot of things can be expensive, but if your time frame is a little bit longer, then um, mm. this one certainly will have a lot of demand for its product. Um, I think it's probably a hold for me, just simply how well it's done. And tactically, you know, in the short term, it might take a bit of pause. Um, but over the long period of time, um, next 12 two years, three years, um, you know, you just don't see that usage of data and cloud mm. going away. And, uh, you know, it's this company will always be in demand. But do be mindful, though, it, it will be very capital hungry. It has to keep rolling out the new um, the new centers. And, and they're big. And, and they're, they're expensive. Big, and they're expensive. Mm. And there's a lot of competition. Competition is heating up, especially mm. for the large cloud, those large clients, not the SME. So one of the challenge for NextDC is to shift uh, its large SME base into the larger cloud. Which is cheaper, uh, well, uh, it's a larger space, a larger volume, but its uh, margin is much lower because all the SMEs are now using Amazon Cloud and mm-hmm. all of that, so they all consolidate. So that is a challenge for the company, but demand is enormous. Um, I much prefer the, the to play in the little ones. Um, you know, the next one we're going to talk to, which is Megaport. Um, you know, because ultimately, look, that that is expensive, but it is the um, the only um, cloud computing sort of access we have in Australia mm-hmm. that is. It created its niche really um, by itself, um, you know, the, um, and that niche is. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, the niche is in the smaller end of the market, isn't no, it? No, so it, they network, uh, the in, in this. It, so yeah, so what they do is that they um, they interact between the clients, people who want to use. So say the SME, they want to use cloud, but then you have to sign up an account. You need to have an IT person to integrate it. You need to do all these. And what if you have an office in London and other places? You need you kind of need a full time IT person yeah. to get it sorted. Otherwise, you have to outsource it, pay other company to do it, and that's expensive, costly, and it's just not feasible going forward, given how much demand there will be. Um, Megaport just said, look, you come to me, I'll sort out everything. I will deal with the, um, you know, the data center. I'll deal with, the, you know, your telco. I'll deal with everyone. You just come to me. And if you want to talk to anyone anywhere around the world, because they're the largest now in the world, um, 
it's um, split second, they're there. And there's no issue, It's you just pay ongoing monthly fee like for a mobile phone, and it's not even expensive. So mm. to me, that company is going to dominate mm. that space. So Susie, make it port, MP1 is the ticker code. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a buy. Oh, absolutely, me. probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, what are the margins like in that kind of a business, though? I don't know. It's, it's small at the moment yeah. because they just taking it's taking a foothold Market at the share. moment because they innovated this area. Um, you know, there wasn't something like that taking place, so they just went out around the world and bought out a lot of those uh, slots. And and um, so at this point, the margin is still small. But once they fill up more clients into um, you know into their base, it's all pure margin pretty much because they're yeah. still in that build out space. They're, they're key for their success in Megaport is that it could take up to 15 days for you to get connected up into the cloud. Mm. If you go through Megaport, it's 15 seconds. Oh, look, I'm sold. I mean, it's not easy navigating all this kind of stuff on your own. fantastic, fantastic business and they will continue to take that market share and run with it because it's like the Tyro, you know, it's the it's the in between the the credit card or the card payment Mm. and the bank. It's that in between connector that makes the difference and that Megaport are doing it really, really well. See, that's the thing. Normally when you're not in there, you're not sure um, what they do. And uh, But once you're actually trying to set up an account, you realize how yeah. difficult it is and you can't imagine in today's world so interconnected and fast that mm. you know still takes so long, days to get things yeah. like that set, set up. So this is the future. Okay, so I'm um, just going to... So it did raise capital. We got excited. It raised many capitals. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, it did more. raise capital. So is it yeah. raising capital to just expand its operations, or are there, you know, is this purely, you know, still in the oh, just speed phase? up? Yeah. yeah. Look, they're still speeding up. They they they're making money. They're generating revenue. Okay. It's really just the scale. But if they pause today, they will grow a lot. Uh, well, the revenue will build up very quickly. But it's all about getting access to global uh, footprint, really. So FY twenty one is sort of the turning point, likely for the business, or is it again a longer term sort of? Play? It's actually being exponential in terms of the growth. So we don't see that slowing down at this point. So you look at when you're looking at these kinds of businesses, mm. you, know, you look at customer acquisition cost, okay? And generally that customer acquisition costs, um, there's always an inflection point where there's sort of the value of that mm. customer acquisition basically turns from being negative to being positive. And that's what you want. You want that, uh, that customer acquisition to be moving through. Like zero is a classic example of mm. now just making a profit Mm-hmm. As of last quarter, just mm-hmm. turning over a profit, and it's been, and it, you know, it's been fantastic stock, and and has done very very well. But it's just taken that and them that long to find that inflection point, uh, and I think Megaport still has that ability to find that uh, inflection point. So I still think you got time to invest in it to buy. That's good. Okay, Megaport MP1. I'm going to do a little bit more digging on the company myself, <laughs> to be honest. Um, okay, uh, one company uh, that's coming up next from Ruby is Austal. So ASB is the ticker code. Um, I'm going to name drop. I did speak with the outgoing and incoming CEOs just yesterday, David Singleton, Patrick Gregg. They've been pretty happy about how the business has mm. traveled through the pandemic because, of course, the nature of their contracts for these massive building shipbuilding campaigns, you know, they don't get turned on and off it as a whim. But they were also talking about the opportunities that geopolitics really mm. plays for the business, particularly in the Asian region. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this company is, um, and and it, and they are favorably exposed to those sort of, um, um, you know, potential new contracts in terms of defense, investment, defense, and all of that. Um, I the, this is a stock is actually quite polarized. Um, for people that looked at it for a long time, tend to have a bit of an issue with it at this point, is because um, two weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, they talked to one of the biggest contracts yes. um, that they have. They lost, um, and it won't hit the earning for two years. So. It 
in two years time, there's an enormous earnings hole. Um, as a contractor, you know, you kind of go, okay, how do I fill that hole? That's mm. in two years time. Now, but for the near term, they actually started winning a lot of contracts, uh, which is great. And the pipeline is actually looking never been better as some of those issues that you talk to the uncertainties and uh, increase in defense spend as well as um, it keeps people in jobs when you're spending from the government um, you know in some of those contracts mm -hmm. so um, with the pipeline actually looking really good for the next few next little while so there's hope that uh, they could actually plug that hole by just continue to win contract balance sheet is fantastic um, they got mm -hmm. something like a hundred million dollars sitting on the balance sheet yeah, they can do M&A and other things so for the near term it looks fantastic um, there is a bit of unknown for the future, um, but I, I think for me it's a hold. Mm. Okay, because the thing with Austal as well that um, just over the years I've been doing this, people always say is that when you're winning these government contracts, yes, they want to spend to keep people mm. in jobs and keep mm. people safe, but they also want to do it at the cheapest you know, price point possible. Yeah. So the margins Correct. in that business are very small. However, again, you know, um, what Austal is trying to do is to transform the business so that it ends up with a lot of these maintenance contracts as well and the services that sort of go on mm. from there. Do you have faith in their ability to execute that strategy? Uh, yes, I mean, yes, I think they are. They've been around long enough as well. This mm. is, is, you know, this one, they know what they're doing. Um, for me, it's just a little bit boring and probably... But, but we like a little boring yeah, or is this too much? Uh, you've got better boring. Yeah, but I've got way better boring <laughs> than that. Um, uh, no, I just think that, you know, when you're dealing with, governments and military contracts there's so much red tape and there's so much stuff that you need to go through it doesn't seem like an easy win even when they do get one it takes them so long and i'm really concerned about that earnings hole in mm. a couple of years time which is you know a long time in markets and you can be moving in and out but i am concerned about that earnings cliff and if they can fill it maybe those maintenance contracts will you know will fill that hole and sort of allow that to happen but i think there's better value elsewhere Okay, so that is a, it's a uh, sell? Yeah, it's a sell from me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely sell. I can't sit on the fence. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting on the fence. That's <laughs> why, yeah, it's a kind of hold. Okay, me, yeah. all right. Well, that's Austell. Um, and that brings us to Anne's question, which is about CSL. So just today, a um, bit of news before we were coming on the program, actually, uh, that the CSL has entered into an agreement um, to start manufacturing uh, a COVID-19 vaccine. So this vaccine was originally sort of pioneered by researchers at the University of Queensland. I actually haven't checked what the share price is doing in the last few minutes or so, but it was, um, you know, pretty heavily negative mm. uh, this morning, not necessarily off that news. It's that we're seeing a bit of a rotation happening uh, out there in the market, yeah. fair enough to say. Um, so I guess, where do you start the conversation about CSL? I was surprised yesterday. I was speaking with an analyst, um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember actually who it was off the top of my head, but no. saying that there's actually not a lot of retail shareholders who hold CSL in their portfolio, okay. relatively mm. speaking, which I found very surprising. Yeah. Mm. Um, I got a lot of clients in that and would, they bought them at $2.50 when uh, they delisted. Mm. I mean, it's just been, a, again, you can't sell it because it's just so much capital, capital gains, gains that's yeah. sitting in there. Yeah. So it's, it's been tough. So I guess the question with CSL, we know that it's a quality company. Mm. Um, we know that it's done very well. Uh, Jim Bay, do you buy 
it still is down by 3.6% today. Do you buy in a day like today? Yeah, uh, look, I, um, I'm, I'm looking at entry point for this stock because you know it will come back. On a 12-month view, it, it still looks pretty attractive. I think the reason it's sold off is because of the rotation you talk to. You know, people mm -hmm. are, you know, index managers such as ourselves, um, we have a benchmark, which is the index. So, you know, if you want to buy resources and buy banks, then you kind of have to sell something. And CSL is the one that has done so well throughout the last few years. Um, it's been incredible performer. Mm. So it's really just taking a bit of profit off the table for a lot of people. And you are, um, as a new investor, you know, you actually get pretty decent, um, you know, entry points. Um, and another thing is that at the moment, because as the market first react to the COVID, they downgrade all the retailers, downgrade all these other earnings, but CSL earning was never downgraded. So clearly there's going to be a disruption to you know collecting um, the IG for their product over the next few years and collection is going to be affected because the government well the economy was in lockdown and mm. so that means the earning next year is going to be a little bit tighter um, mm. you know revenue may be a little bit weaker um, as well as because they just can't collect enough things and the cost will go up a little bit more but we're talking at margins you know a few mm. percent downgrade here and there but these are the things that play to um, you know investors minds um, when it comes to expensive stocks like you know like CSL mm -hmm. but look you'll wash through just wait for the downgrade and um, you know and then the, the, there we go again look yeah. at all the what happened to all the retailer they're back to work where they were yeah um, so the pandemic I mean I guess if you look at some negatives it was the plasma division in the US we yes. still have civil unrest happening in the mm. US yep. in the exact demographics you've got to say that are out there donating blood plasma 100%. to CSL in a big yep. way. So is that again, sort of maybe one of those, yeah. you know, those parts of the business that might prove a little bit more troublesome? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, I mean, CSL's fantastic business, the moat we talk about is just mm. unbelievable. No one can replicate what these guys have done and it's just going to be impossible for anybody to do that. So, um, you know, that is, is, is such a huge stayer for me for CSL. Mm. I've got orders in around 275, 272 uh, mm -hmm. to buy in. Just to your comment on that institutional ownership, there's a lot of computers in CSL when you're trying to get a position set. So that does say that there's a lot of institutional money flowing around uh, in CSL. But my entry point was it'd be that 275. I remember when we said when we talked about this one being the first hundred dollar stock on the ASX, and <laughs> mm. then we went, oh, the first two hundred dollar stock, and, and now three hundred. Yeah, and it's it has just been absolutely amazing watching mm. this growth, and it has been an amazing growth. And a lot of institutions didn't get on that first run up, and then hence then they really drove it higher mm. because they needed to get access to it, and it contributes around about 15 index points to our market so mm -hmm. it is quite a big player in mm. that space now and, and and it has done but it, last couple of days it started to roll over a bit and it broke down on that 300 level so mm. i'm thinking a little bit lower 275 would be my first point and then really then it's a sort of 240 level which it could continue to go down to so I'd be a little bit cautious about buying 250 is my mark. Okay, <laughs> but no, no, yeah. pick a whole number. You guys pick are the experts, number. but I also think if you start getting news out like this about a vaccine, I mean, could oh, it be that we've sort of seen, uh, you know, the low inflection yeah. point of this? Yeah. Only because there's so much riding on vaccines. Yeah, look, it could, but it's not going to be that meaningful for this company. Yeah. Um, there's things 
things going against the you know small earnings downgrade and the like, but there's things going for it as well. Mm. The flu shots. Yes. You remember that business? It was Aquarius, and uh, you know this year everyone's out to taking flu shots, and that business is going to do so well next year. So um, you know that's going to make up a lot of those earnings um, disappointments. So mm. you know honestly, for um, you know if you take a long term view, uh, whether it's 250, whether it's 270, small sure. difference honestly. Um, and um, but tactically there is a bit of weakness in the short term. Yeah. But it is a company you should hold in your portfolio. There's your opportunity though. I mean, it's all about opportunities uh, <laughs> when it comes knocking, taking yeah. advantage of it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you did mention the retailers there and um, it would be remiss of me maybe not to put you on the spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a good heads up about those 10 stocks, but Kogan today, for example, is out. Um, what, did you miss the boat on that I one? Missed her all the <laughs> way. We all did, yeah, oh, we all did. I missed too. Oh. Oh, I just thought about it. Well, you know, we, yeah. it was like Amazon was coming into Australia and we were thinking, okay, mm. well. Amazon's been a bit of a fizzle well, here. That's hasn't right. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, you know, we were on the television mm. talking about it, going, oh, <laughs> yeah. my God, there's Sell everybody. JB I got so yeah. sick of talking about right. Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's, like right. it's, gonna, it's gonna destroy yeah. retail and things like that. And then, yeah. you know, you looked at Kogan at three bucks or something like that, and you were like, oh, maybe not. You know, it doesn't look, it doesn't look okay. And then um, he was selling some yeah. stock in the market yeah, and it was just it, yeah. sort of really messy. And then he pulled back from selling the stock. And that always gets me worried when you've got these directors mm. and then they were pumping the price up to get, anyway. So like it's, it's sort of been marred with a couple of these sort of um, false starts, mm. but the numbers today up a hundred percent, as far as their customer numbers, um, it's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's a really good read through to JB Hi-Fi. Mm. I think JB Hi-Fi is going to have some outstanding numbers going forward into the reporting season, mm. um, but they're probably the only two retails that I would sort of be going for at the moment. Oh, I'm in all retail. Um, I think, you know, you, you tactically, they have a fair bit of momentum behind them just because on that, um, a reopening scene because what's interesting that people missed is that when this lockdown took place analysts has went out and cut numbers significantly mm. and that's across all you know coronavirus affected sectors so that retail even healthcare you know the um, the, the Ramsey and others mm. so mm-hmm. people cut their numbers and and they become very conservative they assume nothing will open for six months and all of that mm-hmm. now things are actually doing a little bit better than previously expected we start seeing earnings upgrade coming through which is interesting retailers we haven't seen it yet because it's still too early we need to see the shops open and the like but we know it will be strong it will, look it will be minor upgrades we're already seeing upgrade coming through for the defensive sector like ramsey and sonic upgrades mm. in the vicinity of 20 30 percent that is massive so what then so, what retail is you looking at because oh i like uh, so look uh, there's a few things that you want to look at um yeah. some of the underperforming names harvey norman is the one that I quite like at the moment yeah. i like jb hi-fi it's done very well nice. um only challenge is that next year moving forward 12 months earnings is going to be very hard to be positive compared to the current benefit mm. but everyone's setting up offices and all of that and June is a massive month for them every year mm. so you know it's it's always going to next year is going to be very difficult to cycle that environment actually the beta shares Nasdaq 100 both say look it's probably the easiest way to invest and gain exposure to some of those non-financial big names in the US uh, next DC uh, Adam it's a hold it's a big boy in the room June it's a hold June it's a hold for her as well, but it's done, you know, it's done very well. That's taking its history into context. Megaport from both Jim Bay as well as Adam is a big uh, yes, a little bit of an excitement in the room about that one. It's a buy. ASB, June Bay is, you know, she's, she's happy holding, but concerns perhaps going forward. Adam, too boring for him. Yeah. Very picky, that one. Yeah. Um, let's get CSL. Uh, CSL is a yes. It's a yes on a pullback.
yeah. uh, that you think may be in the offing, considering yeah. you both have orders in for that one. So that's a good wrap up. I think that I um, squeezed as much information out of these two as possible um, for you. I hope you did enjoy it. Junbei Lu from Tribeca, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's, it's always great, great to, be to here. have you on. Thank you. And as well, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. That's our show for today. If there are any stocks you'd like us to cover, feel free to flick us an email, thecall at ausbiz.com.au. We do read each and every one. We just can't get to them all. You can also tweet us at TV. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.